Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. As I thought about it, it should be accountability, not accountabilities, because there's really only one accountability that uh, I am or any soul watcher is responsible to. And as I contemplate on this message and how I would do it, and I've been had it in the incubator pretty good while now, I thought it would best by asking you some questions this morning. And I want to ask you, have you ever made one of the following statements? First, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> or perhaps you made this statement. I put, or put it this way, he put his pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. Or maybe at one point in your life, you said to somebody, you ain't my mama. Or you said, you ain't my daddy. And for you young people, I want you to know we said this before you did. I can't wait till I'm grown. These words are typical of the mindsets which are rooted in the major problem of all humanity. They are statements which reject submission to authority. It doesn't have to be taught. It's not something that you learn. It's just innate in you to naturally resist authority. And in my mind, this is the main reason we can't solve the issues which plague our society today, Jeff. You see, legislation mandate, enactment of social policy and procedures has not helped because we do not realize one particular fact. The, the problem with submission to authority is not an environmental issue. It is not a social issue. It's not even a cultural or a racial issue. It's a spiritual issue. In fact, it was the root of how sin entered the world. When Eve was convinced that she no longer had to be under God's authority, she gave in to the temptation. It's no wonder that the two areas, and this is going to fall right in with faith development this morning, the two areas that we have the most problem with, with authority, is the home and the church. Why? Because these are the two institutions ordained by God. That's why it's a spiritual problem. Because it's demonically influenced. 
And this is why the application in our text is so valuable to us. When we look at the letter to the Hebrews, the author, after using the first 11 verses, or 11 chapters rather, validating the superiority of Jesus Christ and the power and the importance of faith, he uses chapter 12 as a transitional to address the issue of authority. But chapter 12, please don't miss this, is pivotal for a deeper understanding of our key verses. Chapter 12 suggests that those who had trusted Christ as Savior and Lord were having difficulty because of persecution, maybe. I'll give you another reason later. With leadership and their authority. In verse 5 of chapter 12, the author used the word discipline. In the King James Version, it is chastising. He used these words to make his point. The word in the original language conveys the idea of training, teaching, and punishment either by physical means or verbal, uh, uh, verbal rebuke. Now, according to the author, every child has been disciplined by his father. But the author makes one point emphatically. If you are not disciplined by the Lord, you don't belong to him. Let me, let me just see if I can just make it a little bit more simple. If the word of God, coming from the man of God, don't irritate you every once in a while, you probably ain't born again. One reason is because ain't none of us perfect, and the word of God going to let us know that we are not perfect. But what we have a tendency to do is get mad at the messenger and not the message. A point was made this morning about Scripture and how the Pharisees, they did not obey the word or they did not get to the intent of the word because they did not know the author. And a lot of times when people don't know the author of the book, what comes out through the man of God from the book is going to be rejected because you don't know the author. Here, here lies the issue. The people that the letters written to had no problem, or so they said, with God's authority. I mean, I thought God was sovereign. No problem there. But they were unwilling to accept the authority of God's appointed delegated vessels. In other words, they began to say things like, you can't tell me what to do. You put your pants on one leg at a time just like I do. You ain't my mama. You ain't my daddy. And while they may not say, I can't wait to be, get grown, they're already grown. So when the word began to irritate some people, you hear comments like this. My season is up. It's amazing to me about how often that phrase now is thrown around by Christians who are dissatisfied 
at the present place they're serving in, talking about their season is up. Well, the last time I checked, they're four seasons. And they're going to change. So that means that you're going to be hip-hopping the rest of your spiritual life. What you do is when the spring is there, you enjoy the spring. You fight through the summer. You enjoy the fall. And then you fight through the winter. But you stay where God has placed you. I'm already irritating some folks. I can see that right now. This mindset prompted the writer to remember, to remind the people of something they had forgotten, to remember something they had forgotten. Now, I want to read with you, or for you, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. Then I want to try to expound about and give another reference to what it really means. The right said this in chapter 12. Now, we ain't got 13 yet. Hold on. Verse 18. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and a whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sounds of words which sounds were such that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. The writer is referring, referring to an incident that happened in the Exodus. When Egypt had Israel camped in slavery and God sent a deliverance, God told Moses to lead them to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, they heard the word of God directly from God. But the voice of God was accompanied with fire, with wind, with thunder, with darkness, with lightning. And the people were terrified. When God spoke, they were terrified. Now, I want you to notice their response in Exodus 20. 19, then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. In other words, you really don't want God to be right here talking to y'all right now. Because if he did, he could see everything about you that you don't want nobody else to know but you. The intended audience of the letter of Hebrew had forgotten it was the people's request to have a human intercessor on God's behalf. And by rejecting the teaching, training, and the verbal correction, because that was the issue, from delegated authority, they were rejecting the word of God. So in chapter 13, author began to address the issue of leadership authority. Let me break down chapter 13 for you. Verses 1 through 6 
or about moral obligations, moral obligations of the people. It contains things like love among the members, everyone loving each other. Number two had to deal with hospitality of strangers. Said the psalm has entertained angels being unaware. Number three was personal kindness to prisoners. Number four was the sanctity of marriage. Marriage is honorable and all in the bed is undefiled. Number five is sexual purity, but the whole manga and adultery God will judge. Number six had to deal with adultery of love of money. And number seven dealt with total trust and commitment to the Lord. Those were the moral obligations, but that ain't what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the religious obligation. Now, here's the issue. Like many in the early church, the believers believed that Jesus was going to come in their lifetime. Years passed. People were dying. They were being persecuted. So when their expectation was not fulfilled, they began to revert back to the old ways morally and religiously. And the right of Hebrews then told them two things that they should do in order to stem this tide. Verse 7 of chapter 13 in Hebrews. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results of their conduct imitating their faith. Two things. Number one, to remember. The writer calls for the readers to remember their past teaching, their past leaders. Some of these people had passed on, they had died. But remember them former teaching. Remember what you had learned. I think most of us probably went to Sunday school at one time or another when we were young. The story was so touching. We remember them. We sang the little songs that was taught, Jesus loved me, this I know. And you really felt love. You really believed that. Now that you've grown and you're going through something, you wonder if Jesus loves you or anybody else loves you. The other thing the writer Hebrew told them was to consider, King James, to observe. They were called to imitate the example of the former leaders and follow their conduct and their faith. I remember one time when we had a little youth thing here that the little kids came up and they began to imitate some of the people in the church. They had Uncle Bill down pat. They had Pastor Dave down pat with me crying. They had Harry down fat, pat, pat, down pat. They had Ann dancing. They, they copied everything that we did in fun. But none of them, I shouldn't say that, it appears that none of them really copied Uncle Bill's faith or Ann's spirituality or Harry's dedication. They just had fun with it. 
But he's reminded, remember those former lessons that you were taught and those teachers who taught you and follow their example. They had forgotten. Just like men today. And I know that we got a lot of people that grew up in the church. Many of them are in college now. And I thank God for you in college and you here today, you in school. Because as a campus ministry, I am discovering that when they graduate from high school, they graduate from Jesus, Joe. They go on campus, and I don't care how much Jesus they had back home. When they hit campus, you see, Thursday night on campus is the party night. At Mercer, they don't have classes normally on Friday, so everybody go out Thursday night. But Sunday morning, when they were at home, they would have been in church. But now, they sleep in. Getting rid of that hangover. Some of them are so guilty by some of the things that they've done. Why? Because they didn't remember and they didn't consider. Next, the writer makes a statement which at first glance don't, don't seem to connect. It, it appears not to be a part of this scripture in verse 8. He said this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In theological terms, this is called the immutability of God. Now, the immutability of God is a fancy theological term that means the unchanging nature of God and his word. Y'all keep that in mind. Uh, because whenever new doctrines creep into the church, which conflicts with the unchanging message about Jesus Christ, it should be rejected, not embraced. But oftentimes we embrace it because it makes us feel good. But this was a perfect setup for the writer to address the main issue and to get back to his point. Hebrews 13, 17 starts out this way. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Y'all still with me? You see, if the former leaders were to be remembered, then the present leaders need to be obeyed. You need to remember the former things you learned, but you need to obey the new things that you are learning. Why? Because the word of God ain't changed. I know we have gotten into modern things, but the word of God ain't changed. It was mentioned to me about tablets. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to still use mine, but I just felt I needed to get back to the Word of God. 
Because this individual who my mind said this, he said that tablets and phone may have the Bible on them, but they're not the Bible. Because they got other things on them as well. And I'm wondering if something else you may have on your tablet or your phone would conflict with the word of God. Or be contrary to it or opposite it. So I decided I'm going to start to going back to what I used to do. Don't get me wrong. I still may use my tablet. Because ain't nothing wrong with it. But the word of God has not changed. And I'm not going to change my method while I stand in this pulpit. Obey your leaders. Now, obey does not imply blind servant fellowship. The word leads to a trusting by persuasion. In other words, you believe something because you've been persuaded through the word of God. You've been convinced because the word of God was rightly divided. That is true. Now, we've been harping on some hard truths here lately. One of them is love your neighbor as yourself. Do good to them that persecute you. Yeah, that's hard. We have to admit we ain't there yet. But we can't deny that that's not what God meant. When we try to justify it, we have no reason to repent. But the writer not only used the word obey, he also used the word submit. This word simply means to yield. It is one voluntarily submitting oneself to delegated authority. So the author is saying obey and submit to your leaders. Now why? Why be so emphatic with this? Well, there are three primary reasons. <laughs> Continuing on with verse 7, it says, For they keep watch over your soul, as those who will, who will give an account. I think King James said must. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Number one. Pastor soul watchers responsibility. This word watch, Ronald Morgan, is a military term. It really means to stand guard. I don't know if you remember G and Darren that one of the first thing you did when you went to basic training. They had this little thing that somebody had to stand guard for an hour. And my time was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I ain't a early rising person. But the worst thing you could do when you were on guard duty was to fall asleep. A pastor must be vigilant, must stay alert, be on guard and ready to take action. A pastor should look 
for anything that's detrimental to the body of Christ among the membership. Now, here's where a lot of us fall short. He must look for it, not just happen upon it. See, sometimes it's so easy for us to turn a blind eye, a deaf ear to things that are going on. And we should be looking to see these type things. If a pastor sees a discrepancy or an error which violates the word of God, he is obligated to address it. Now, I know for some this morning you heard some thing about legalism. We ain't talking about that. We talking about violating the word of God. Number two, in addition to soul watcher responsibility, soul watcher accountability. God's appointed delegated authority comes with accountability. That's why I said it should be one, not accountabilities. You ain't got but one and person you're accountable to. It's interesting when I began to look at this, Kay, that the Greek word translated accountability is logoon. Logos of the word. It means word, but it carries this sense. Standing before a superior speaking in defense or giving words in defense, attempting to give reason for one's negative action. And I can imagine me standing before God. He asks me a question. And my words would be something like, uh, 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 uh. Because there is not going to be any words that's going to justify. This is a spiritual cross-examination. Now, for those of you that were Perry Mason fans, personally, I like Matlock. Matlock could trip a person up on things they never thought about. And you can see the look on their face when Matt Locke has got them. This is what happened. When you stand before God and he asks you, why didn't you address this issue? Why don't you try to entertain instead of preaching? And you go, uh, um, If the pastor does not address sin, he will give an account before God for his guardianship. Number three, the congregation liability. The congregation liability before God is to recognize the pastor's responsibility and accountability and don't do anything to add to his burden. Their obedience and submission would make the pastor's task a joyful experience. And I'll stop right here and thank New Pine Grove for the balance of most of the 25 years. It's been a joyful experience. There, there's only a few times, and I wouldn't even care to even entertain them, where it was not a joyful experience. 
But when we look at the word of God, it had to be a problem. And I think it is a problem, even if it's not a problem. What I'm saying by that, people don't realize it because we just let it go on. In other words, it's easier to preach a ear-tickling sermon than one of conviction. It's easier to have the spirit of an encourager than one of a prophet. Because when you have that prophetical edge on your calling, people tend to say, my season is up. Or at the worst end, they'll say, us done met. If y'all young folk don't know what that means, that's when the deacon don't made a decision that it's time for the pastor to move on. The scripture says it's unprofitable to you. Now, why use this Greek term, but it can be better understood by comparing it to another scripture with first the word of God. If you're writing down, write this down. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. It should be a familiar scripture to a lot of you guys that's in ministry or teachers. It says, all scriptures is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training for righteousness. You would think this word profitable will be just the opposite of the word unprofitable. That's not the case. When the writer says it would be unprofitable to you not to obey and submit, he used the word, oh, feel I must. Now, I'm just using that to let you see it's different. It ain't even close to it. Oh, feel I must means beneficial or useful. Here in 2 Timothy 3.16, the word unprofit is alasatelis, alasatelis, which means disadvantage. So one means beneficial, one means disadvantage. Alasatelis, I want y'all to get this now, it's a medical term. For all you physicians out there, it's a medical term. It refers to an unfavorable diagnosis. I got to kind of get y'all to think medical with me. A diagnosis is an analyzation of a problem. But a prognosis is a, is a projected outcome. Y'all got that? Say it again. A diagnosis is an analyzation of an ailment. A prognosis is, is, is a projection of an outcome. When a physician diagnoses a problem, he or she prescribes treatment and medication. But if the patient does not follow the direction of the physician, the prognosis is negative. Are y'all getting me there? Now, Dr. Grant has diagnosed you as being pregnant. 
and she tell you to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop riding a bicycle, and you still going to do all these things, the prognosis is going to be bad. I'll just leave it that way. All pastor authority comes from the word of God. The scripture is the only thing he should use. If he preaches the word of God and it's disobeyed, that's going to be to your disadvantage. That's going to be unprofitable. If he preaches and you obey it, that's going to be profitable. It's going to be profitable for four things. Four things listed in 316. Number one, training. Training is how to do stuff. How to do. There's so many people that don't know how many books are in the Bible. They don't know what's in the New Testament, what's in the Old. Only thing they know is they come to church. Number two, reproof. That's conviction. That is something that the Word of God do to motivate you to change. Number three is correction. That's to rectify. Restore to an upright state. And number four is training. And that's discipline. That's correct a bad behavior. Now, now, now just, just hold up here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to this. This is what's up on the screen in a minute. I want you to, I'm going to read this again. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture, singular, is inspired by God and profitable Okay, profitable, beneficial, or good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. Nowhere in that scripture does it say that's supposed to make you feel good. Nowhere in here does it say it's supposed to uplift your spirit. Even though the word of God does all that. But nowhere right here where it says it's beneficial does it say anything about how you feel. I'm going to get real personal with you right now. God, hold me. I've had the opportunity to go to a couple of funerals of former members that was not members no longer members here. And in both cases, I heard these words. Sister so-and-so loved good preaching. Maybe my imagination, but it seemed like to me both of them looked directly in my direction when they said they love good preaching. Good preaching does not necessarily mean biblical teaching. Some, some, some of y'all don't get that. Because good preaching could just deal with your emotions. This, this thing about profitable. In the New Testament, 
has primarily seven applications. And that's in training. Number one, training through scripture. You learn because you read or you talk the word of God. Training through punishment. There's some things that happen because you're not obedient to bring you back to it. Training through correction. There's a lot of things you may be doing wrong. You don't realize you're doing wrong until you see it in the word. And I love number four, Jeff. Training through grace. When you realize that you should have been dead. Or you shouldn't have got blessed. And God had blessed you anyhow. And you know it was proper. You change your ways in response to God's grace. Also training through authority. In the home it might apply to parental guidance. Or training through tribulation. Some of us go through stuff. And number seven, lastly, training through judgment. If you're here today or experiencing number seven, train through judgment. See, the word of God will judge you. You know whether you've been obedient or submissive or not. You know some of the things that I or other ministers have said. So you need to judge yourself. The word of God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He came and died for you. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. And if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you will be saved and you will be changed and there will be evidence of that change by the renewing of your mind. There was a lot of emphasis put on this. I'll give you an example about justice. The law and mercy and grace. We talked about a lot this morning about the hour of appearance, how we reject people because of what they wear, maybe what they say. But can I give you some of my experience as a fisherman? See, we can kind of put the cap on that. Over my lifetime, I've caught many fish. And it's still true. You can't clean a fish until you get them out of the water. Hear me now. All fish are not the same. Some fish have scales. That means they're hard on the outside. Work with me now. They require skilling. Got to get that hard surface off of them. Some fishes have skin. They're slick. They're slimy. 
They're smooth. They require skinning. Now, some of you, before you came to the Lord, y'all were hard. Y'all needed skilling. Some of y'all were slick, smooth. You needed skinning. But even after you scaled them, even after you skinned them, they ain't ready for the frying pan. You see, there's something on the inside of both of them that you got to get out before they can be prepared for anybody's. So whether you are skilly or smooth, it's something on the inside that God has got to get out of you. Guts. I thought of you cave when this came to me this morning. Those people that love to watch HGTV and all the different shows would be familiar with this. Somebody go into a house and they're going to renovate. They got all these people that's flipping houses. And they, they look at the kitchen. They said, this is a gut job. See, no matter whether you need scaling, whether you need skinny, you're a gut job. So in the renovation of that house, some walls got to be tore down. And in the renovation of that house, some floors have got to be ripped up. In the renovation of the house, it's got to be brought back up to code. That's what this is all about right in front of this pulpit. You see, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It brings you back up to code to where now you belong to him and you are covered by his blood. I'm through. Some of y'all, oh yeah, you 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 saved because you've been you've been scaled. You 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 saved because you've been skinned. But God wants to use you. And he wants to perform a good job on you. What's on the inside of you that God is trying to get out? It don't have to be the averting sin. It could be something as simple as prejudice. Something as simple as slowfulness. But if you need a good job this morning, This is for you as well. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.